0: Hey Cracked fans, if you're a listener of this podcast, I imagine you feel fairly similar to how I do about the latest clothing options made available across the tennis market. Now, while I won't call out any brand in particular, I will say this – Given the exorbitant nature of the latest designs, feels like you better be pretty freaking good at tennis if you want to wear that sort of clothing on the court. Now, thankfully, we here at Crack Rackets are now able to provide a far more suitable, far more comfortable, and I'm going to be honest, far more stylish option for all of our Crack Rackets fans, courtesy of our friends over at Lucky Racket. Lucky Racket uses some of the best fitting and feeling tees in the world. Their shirts are combed, ring-spun, heirloom cotton, and tri-blend Bella and canvas. I don't even know what that means, but that sounds spectacular. So... How can you get yourself some Lucky Racket gear? It's simple. Just go to their website, LuckyRacket.com. That's L-U-C-K-Y-R-A-C-K-E-T.com. And use our promo code, Cracked15. If you do, you'll get 15% off all of your purchases. That means 15% off the shirts. 15% off all of the incredible swag offered by our friends. Again, that's LuckyRacket.com. The promo code is Cracked15. Welcome to The Mini-Brick, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Saturday, August 28th. We've got a lot of tennis to talk about. Of course, the U.S. Open on the horizon, the final Grand Slam of the 2021 season, has officially arrived on our doorsteps. And as such, we had a week of qualifying results that we have yet to touch on here on this podcast. That's what we're going to do on today's show. Of course, we are going to put a final bow on our coverage of Cleveland, of Chicago, of Winston-Salem, because here on these podcasts, results the week before a slam still matter. But qualifying results going to be the focus of today's show and joining us on the show to talk about all of the results we've seen over the past week is the man perhaps best suited for this sort of podcast you know his work as a writer on our website crackrackets.com. you may know some of his work from that other website last word on tennis the host of the monday great shot podcast episode focusing on all things atp challenger tour it is our friend Damien coos Damien, welcome back to the show how are you doing today
1: uh, yeah, I'm I'm i fine. I'm actually at uh, at Warsaw this week at at the Challenger event. But you know, whenever whenever there was rain uh, in the afternoon, I I came back to the hotel and watched the US Open Qualies. I even snuck I, you know snuck out of there a little bit earlier a couple of times because there was some, there was something really interesting in the US Open Qualies, like for example Kozlov uh, playing Zapata Mirage. So uh you know i uh, it's been a great week of watching tennis watching tennis and some waiting for you know for the rain to pass but, but 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 it's been mostly watching tennis
0: how i know you and i are a good fit is because you said you stopped something early to go watch a kozlov match if i could tell you my like if you were to describe the theme of my life from ages 16 to 22 It was stopping things early to go watch a Kozlov match, so I love to hear that, and an unplanned tangent here at the start. You were in Warsaw this week for one of, I believe, three challengers on the ATP Challenger Tour. Of course, I will let you and Jakob cover all of that action on Monday's show, but I do want to say, action on the ground there is something different having had the opportunity to travel to these events to just getting to be in person getting to talk to people on the grounds and getting to you know see the players who are thriving see the players who are falling a bit short and you look this week I believe it's going to be Sertorusic versus Karabelli in the final there tomorrow Uh, curious what it was like for you to just be back on the grounds at an event get the chance to see any of these players up close anyone in particular jump out to you?
1: Yeah, this 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 week was pretty different to what I had last month in Poznan because back then there was no, not, not a single rain delay, and here we <laughs> there was really you know it, it, there was a danger that we're not gonna finish it like a couple of doubles matches had to be played indoors. And the indoor venue was actually 20 kilometers away, so I, I did not see them. I I couldn't really travel there. But you know, as as every time, I mean, it's been great. Uh, especially some of these players that you never really pay attention to, and then you, you know, you see a guy ranked I don't know, 500, 400, and all the all the players keep saying that as well. That that you know, that they're playing fantastic tennis, and it doesn't really matter if you're if you're ranked 150 or 350, obviously. It does in order to get into events. It does in the long. It does in the long run. But anyone could could lose to anyone here. And you, you know, as you, we can even see it in the in the finalists because no, n- neither of them has a challenger, uh, tour title uh, under their belt. It it actually U- Ugo Carabelli. It's his first final, and Serdarusic, which is absolutely stunning. He reached back-to-back finals. Mm-hmm. I definitely didn't expect he he had that level in him. So he's definitely a player. I. I underestimated before seeing him. Uh, even, even some of some of these guys like Hugo Carabelli or Baranco Cosano, whom we've been talking about a bit on the on the podcast that you mentioned, uh, you know, just seeing them live sort of confirmed to me that they're that they're way better than than most people give them credit for. So it's been a fantastic run, especially as it looks like the event is gonna be finished normally like the the forecast for today and tomorrow was at first terrible Mm -hmm. but right now there was no drop not a single drop of rain today and it looks like tomorrow is going to be fine as well so uh, yeah as always uh, very recommended to to anyone to to go to a Challenger event live the perspective is definitely so much
0: different. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned Ugo Carabelli, 22 years old, first challenger final for him was ranked 296 coming into the week with this result. It's funny. With big results at the 250 level, you don't really see movement right now at the top of the, ATP, uh, of the ATP rankings at the same time. When you get outside the top 200, you put together a result like this, you're going to make some moves. And for Carabelli, he's up to a career high, number 270 in the live rankings. I mean, I believe you wrote about this for our website, CrackRackets.com. There's him. There's Echeverry. There's the Serendolo brothers. You have Sebastian Baez as well. Argentina tennis is seeing a nice little resurgence, Ugo Carabelli being a prime example of one of the players to do so. On the spot, I'm going to ask you. I give you the Argentinians. I give you the players from the Czech Republic. Who are you taking?
1: Um, probably Argentina, honestly, because looking at the Czechs, like right now only lahechka is me looking like a certain top 50 potentials so, sort of and i mean some of these argentinians like echevery uh probably bias or tirante as well and the serendolos i mean i'm just pretty certain that they're gonna be playing at least challengers of clay for years so for the sheer amount of the, the guys that i think will be you know will be figures on the main tour i think i would take argentina i actually wanted to ask uh, ugo carabelli about a few uh a few questions a few questions like this You know about the, his role in the whole argentinian generation coming up but it turns out that he's he actually doesn't speak english so <laughs> yeah he just said i don't speak english sorry and well uh, i couldn't so
0: yeah we'll have to fact check someday maybe he was just like you know what i'm not doing it. i don't speak english it's like he had that ready for you
1: yeah but he replied the same to the guys yeah. from the tournament like two, two days later like they, they also thought that they were getting set up or something yeah. but you know but when when we uh when he figured out that he said the same thing to to us both, then, then I guess I guess he wasn't lying after all.
0: Yeah, no, it's fair. And again, I agree with you, Yuri Lechetska, who, did he, he won his first challenge, or did he win a second one back-to-back, or did he make a second No,
1: he, it was a final, final. Yeah, yeah, he right? lost to Zapata Mirage, yeah. But
0: it was back-to-back finals, he did yep. that a second consecutive week. I see now I feel back at home. There's, again, like six people I can talk to, Yuri Lechetschka, which for five minutes and be entertained by it, um, he's been on a run. And I think the reason I point this out, we have him, we're going to talk about these qualifying results, a guy like Holger Rune, stun, stud on the ATP Challenger Tour this year. And obviously former world junior number one, but it's clicked for him there. You know, you see these guys who come to qualifying and have success. You can see those results, the seeds of that success laid in the ATP Challenger level. And so, of course, again, I highly recommend Jakob Babro, Damian Kust every Monday on the Great Shot Podcast, breaking down each and every week's action on the ATP Challenger Tour. Of course, it's also crazy to think they managed to fit three challengers in the schedule despite their being qualifying this week at the U.S. Open. Let's transition to that topic now talking about these men's and women's singles qualifying results at the u.s open let's start on the men's side and i I do want to start with this question to you because wimbledon plays three out of five sets in the final round of qualifying i don't hate that and they time it really well too so that these players get a full weekend off after playing the match after playing qualifying before getting ready for the main draw would you it's it's a little rule change thing but again Only so many people I can talk about this with. I would like that for final round qualifying everywhere. Three out of five sets. Why not do it? I just, I feel like if you're going to play in the main draw of a slam, you got, you should win it. If they're going to make the final for Kalamazoo, the USTA boys 18s nationals, where Zach Sfida gets the wild card over Ben Sheldon. If they're going to make that match three out of five, why not make final round qualifying three out of five?
1: Yeah, it, it, actually, it was this year that I found out that the Kalamazoo uh, the final is also best of five. I also wouldn't mind changing it to, you know, at, at, at all the slums. As you said, as long as it's on Friday, I think everything is fine. It's, it's a sort of a test then, you know, if you're really ready for, uh, for playing over that distance. Because we, we often see that young players, you know, they advance to a slum either either by ranking or through or qualities. And then the body just doesn't really. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, for example, uh, a match that comes to mind is Kami Mike and Kei Nishikori at the Australian Open a few years back, when Mike Shack was leading him to the to sets to love and then like completely went out after the the, the you know, in the third and in the fourth he retired cramping in the fifth uh, in the end and I mean it, it happens a lot with young players I think they they just i i understand that because even if you really feel like you're ready physically playing a match is a, you know it's it's a totally different intensity so maybe it would be actually helpful for them to, to you know to check their fitness to check if they're ready to uh, to play best of five i i definitely wouldn't mind that at, at wimbledon this year we've had a few uh comebacks in you know from from two sets to love in the in the final round of qualifying like for example molchan lost to oh i can't remember who but uh, uh no uh, i'm not gonna guess but, but anyhow the, the i think that sort of you know sets apart the the guys who are ready and the ones who are not mm-hmm. so maybe maybe that would be a good idea i mm-hmm. i definitely don't see a, a fault uh, you know a flow in that plan
0: if you want to go down rabbit hole 2015 Kalamazoo final, Tiafoe, Kozlov, Zoo Tennis, read Collette's recap of the match. You can then find YouTube highlights of it on YouTube. You will spend 30 minutes doing that, and you will not regret it. That's all I have to say, because that is the best match in my memory in Kalamazoo history. Certainly the best of the 21st century. Tiafoe goes up two sets to love. Kozlov comes back, wins the next two. Fifth set's just A mess. It's delightful. It's it's That was when—that was like the peak. That was the pinnacle because 2015 was the same year Fritz, Paul, and Opelka all won Junior Slams. And so and yet they weren't the favorites entering Kalamazoo. It was still coming off of their Orange Bowl final, Tiafo and Kozlov. And that was actually the year Kozlov played Tsitsipas eventually in the final. It was either Eddie Her or Orange Bowl. Anyways, point being— you will not regret that. But all of this is to say, it's a perfect segue into the first guy I want to talk about. And I saw you tweet out this fact earlier today. Holger Rune is now on a 13-match win streak. You look for Rune. Here's the crazy numbers: 52 and 17 in 2021. So he's played 79 match. Excuse me, 69 matches. Uh, he's won 75 percent of them over the last 52 weeks, though, Damien. He's played over 100 matches. He's 76 and 25 in his last 52 weeks, still winning 75% matches over a 100 match sample size. He's now done it at the futures level. He's won two challengers, qualified in Kitzbühel, Buell, won around there before getting knocked hmm. out. Yeah, uh, excuse me. Yeah, one, three challengers, one back to back challengers is what I was tra- meant to say. Excuse me. He's made multiple, though, challenger finals. He's qualified and now won matches at multiple ATP events. He's made an ATP quarterfinal. You look for Holger Rune now up to number 145 in the ATP rankings. But I think what's even more interesting, you look for him in terms of the race to the year end finals. And I'm not at all trying to suggest that he's going to make the top eight, that he's going to qualify for London. But he's accumulated the 69th most points of any player on the ATP Tour this season. That's ridiculous. You look at the advanced metrics, things such as ELO rating offered by our friends on Tennis Abstract. He's 41st in overall ELO rating, 28th by his 2021 specific results. Yes, you have to adjust for competition. But given the concerns about him coming into the year were about the fitness, the cramping, it was never about his tennis. Damien, has he solved those fitness problems? You look for what he was able to do here in qualifying to make this U.S. Open main draw. He knocks out Latsko, Kruger in straight sets before beating meringue in three. I mean, that he's got the matchup with Djokovic, that's a little tennis god's karma. No doubt about that. But Holger Rude, if you're making a short list of most improved players this season, it's probably Rindernesh, him, honestly, Ilya Ivashka. Like the, he belongs on that list with them because the jump he's made from futures level to okay, it's time to see this guy in ATP qualifying in ATP two fifties, that's the sort of jump that you know ninety-five percent of pro players never make.
1: Yeah, I mean he started he started the year in, in futures, as he said, and what he's doing right now is absolutely incredible. I think he's I think he pretty much solved the fitness problems because even if you know first of all back-to-back challenger titles and he's already almost done it this year uh before like uh, in Biela and Oeiras, i think mm-hmm. uh he also had back-to-back challenger finals and well had a couple of matches in there where he again the cramping and all but right now i mean 13 matches in 18 days and the very underrated factor is that the you know Verona finished on Saturday and then on Wednesday he played his first round of the qualities, which gave him like very little time for any hardcore preparation. Actually Verona has the final at like, you know, in the evening, as most Italian challengers do. So he must have been flying on, on Sunday. So along with the jet lag, uh, I mean he pretty much got, got no hardcore preparation compared to most other players who, you know, either skipped the week before, or or I don't know, played in 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 Cincinnati in qualies or something. And to to see him just, you know, there were concerns that he wouldn't really be doing that well on hardcores, courts. Definitely, yeah, basically only coming from the fact that he last played on them in in February, but how he just dismantled everyone was was extremely impressive again no fitness issues despite this huge number of of matches in in days i think kruger actually had a pretty bad day at the office so i would i would definitely still be a bit cautious when thinking of rune as a as a fantastic cardboard player but i mean on clay he's next year he's definitely gonna be a two-level mainstay if it goes like this and I'm actually super excited about the match against Djokovic. Like, obviously, he would have liked a different draw, but that's another generational shift kind of match. And, and uh, I, it's probably a matchup I never really, you know, f- thought we were gonna get. Like, the, the, you know, Djokovic is maybe not at the end of his career, but I mean, in, in a few years, he's not gonna be there and it just feels surreal that that you know the runa plays djokovic and, and it's gonna be so exciting to to see if he can keep it any close mm-hmm. i mean with with the game he has right now because when when he won ron garros as a junior when he got all the wild cards that people really didn't feel like were warranted like like that you know because they were probably only because of the fact that he trained in the Muratoglu academy the the issue in his game was probably power and right now it's obviously when you watch it, it when you watch him it's obviously not an issue he's managed to make both his wings work for him as as aggressive weapons and it's something that he will definitely need to have any sort of shot at Djokovic obviously it's close to impossible but i'm really looking forward to see how his game you know, simply gets tested against the the highest possible the the the, the, the toughest possible competitor in the game mm-hmm. and he's done very well when when faced with tough competition this year i i can't remember if it's six or seven top 100 wins that he that he scored this year but i mean it's it's very impressive for a guy who's basically spent most of the year playing on the challenger tour.
0: No, and first of all, great shot by you. Six wins against top 100 opponents this season. He's 6-8 and against the top 100 overall. You look for Holger Rune, 77% hold percentage. That would be good for about 41st amongst top 50 players. Now, the flip side, his 31.9 break percentage, that'd be good for fourth. And I think if you watch Holger Rune play— That checks out from an eye test perspective. His, and it's funny, you look at his hold percentage against top 100 opponents, it drops from that 77% to 73.4. Meanwhile, his break percentage still stays at 27.9, which would be a top 15 number amongst top 50 players. The baseline game is there. When he can get the point started, when he can get into the rhythm of the point and start playing, you know, baseline to baseline, exchanging ground strokes, Holger Rune's got the talent. His backhand is special. His forehand on the run, particularly on clay, very, very effective. Demon hour-ish, sort of, in my opinion, Damien, in the way he hits that shot. But just, you look for Holger Rune, I agree with you, He's and he's comfortable moving forward. He's got a flair for the big moment. He's comfortable in the critical points of matches The serve is an issue for him right now. It hangs up, the second serve in particular, against the better opponents that are going to go after it. At the same time, he's 18 years old. Like, you know what's going to get a lot better for every player from the time they're 18 till they're 25? Their serve. Like, everyone's serve can get better. It's the easiest stroke to improve. And that that's the concern for Holger Rune at 18 years old. It's a really good thing for him. And so I agree with you. I think he is one of the rising stars on the ATP Tour. Again, up to number 145 in the rankings, which is a career high. But top 70 in points accumulated, top 50 in terms of advanced metrics. That's how good he's been this season. He is one of the qualifiers for the U.S. Open. Of course, you look elsewhere. Some seeds that managed to hold up. Botich, Vondes, Sculpt, three-set win for him uh, to advance into qualifying Man, do I love his game. Damian. I mean, guy sees big, hits ball big, advances to uh, I just like that it's a weapon. I mean, he's got the pro weapons, right? And like you you can't fake that sort of power. It's not a surprise for me to see him advance to the main draw here
1: it's not a surprise for me either I was really looking (laughs) at his qualifying campaign because of the whole aspect of him getting into all the slums from from qualifying Mm -hmm. although at Wimbledon it was a lucky loser uh, spot but I mean this week I guess he he mostly impressed me with just his tenacity the the matches against Shelton and Kwako he was really far really really close to losing and stuck in. And uh, it's also something that he's been showing on, on the Challenger tour as well. Like also very little hard hardcore prep, probably, because before, uh, before the US Open he played five straight uh, challengers on clay. And like most of the time he looked dead tired, like the from the third week on, but he was still winning a ton because of exactly what, what he showed at the US Open. He's just he was just really good at the, at the big points and definitely not 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 surprised he he made impact made an impact at both ron garros and wimbledon uh i actually need to look who he's playing because i have not memorized that yet <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh yeah he's playing oh actually that's one of the best spots for the qual- for a qualifier for sure he got carlos tabernet who was one of the last direct acceptances mm-hmm. obviously is a clay court specialist was also in verona so obviously he's not gonna get that much hardcore preparation as well he lost to rune very easily actually and tabernet hasn't really showed much outside of clay so far so that's that's a very winnable spot and in fact i i'd argue that you know van de zanskoop should really be be winning this one Mm
0: -hmm. no he is certainly one of those guys uh who qualifies who you can think um, oh, man. Yeah, he can win around maybe more uh, at this 2021 U.S. Open. You look elsewhere. I don't want to butcher his pronunciation. I'm too afraid. A fellow, obviously, from the home country of Poland, number four seed Camille. Say it for me. I don't want to butcher it. Uh,
1: you're talking oh, if number four seed in the quads,
0: Yeah, Mike check. So he won two over Rodianov. That's a win. That's a dominant performance for him there.
1: I mean the the whole campaign was huge honestly he He was never b- even broken mm-hmm. uh 21 aces, I believe, or some 20 something uh, uh definitely uh i in, in the preview that, of the Qualies that I wrote for uh, the website okay. uh, that's that's a really, you know, a fine spot to plug it. <laughs>
0: yeah
1: i i defin- I picked him as one of the guys who are really strong favorites mm-hmm. to qualify for me uh definitely the, the match against wolf was the only real danger that i saw i i sort of actually discounted rodionov mostly because last we last month he retired i can't remember if it was atlanta or or something around this but but anyhow he retired and didn't really have any much practice going into the us open so i i only looked at the match against wolf and i i mean even even though most of the opponents wolf has lost to recently like Isner and Nakashima in his first two matches back, which was absolutely brutal. Uh, you know, these were really top opposition. but I don't think Wolf is quite there yet. You know, quite quite at the level he he had last year at this point in time. So I so I was looking at Mike Shark to to qualify, but you know I always have when I'm picking Polish players to do something. I always have this sort of fear that maybe I'm just overrating their chances. Their chances. So I'm happy I wasn't here i think mike Schleck is actually quietly playing very good tennis right now even though he hasn't really had that sort of a breakout run in in a two-level event so far uh, you know yet uh i think he's really improved his serve which was was also evidenced in in how he performed in the qualities and he also has a pretty winnable first round I mean, I know Rusevori has reached the same at Winston-Salem this year, but to me, they're playing at a, at a rather similar level at the moment. It's it's not going to be easy for Rusevori, and uh, I think Mike Shack has a very decent chance to win it.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, I yes to all of that I would say obviously uh Rusevori has been what I think he's another guy like 22 and 10 or 22 and 11 this season in hard court matches and just he's been a top 50 guy on hard courts but I agree that's a really fun test now you know again some of the other really fun stories Ivo Karlovic last tournament on the job he comes through qualifying gets through into the event a 3 and 6 win over Sagita in his final round match I mean do I think he wins his first round? No, I don't. Am I psyched that he's able to get into the main draw here, Damien? Absolutely. He played really well throughout the event.
1: Yeah, actually, is it his last event? Is it another question?
0: <laughs> yeah, it's fair.
1: Yeah, I mean, in Los, in Los Cabos, he said that, that if he does well at the US Open, he would reconsider. Actually, what could, you know, do well mean to him at this point?
0: Win a main draw I... match. You win a main draw match, you keep playing
1: i think it might be qualifying actually even
0: okay. like
1: you know he uh he won three consecutive matches this week i actually haven't checked that but i believe the last time he won three consecutive matches would be houston 2019 uh because he won like three matches in 2020 and like three before this weekend yeah that would be definitely be houston 2019 so houston charger uh so <laughs> i mean it's a huge achievement for him at this point, even though he said that he, he's not really feeling weaker physically. Like, you know, the, the, the reasons for his decline were, were different. Obviously, he also hasn't played that much because he doesn't want to travel outside of the US a lot. So uh, I'm super excited to watch him in the main draw. Uh, I, I tuned into the Milojevic match thinking that it might be the last one. Mm-hmm. Then I tuned into the Dalian match thinking that it might be the last one. And then against Sugita, I was like full-on cheering and believing that it's not going to be the last one. Uh, Yeah, as you said, he was brilliant in this campaign. Was the opposition really good? I mean, Dalian and Milojevic are obviously clay quarters. Uh, Sugita hasn't been doing well in a while, but scored an absolutely massive win over Kokinakis. But it's still a huge achievement for him at at this point to win three matches against players who are not twice (laughs) he's not twice their age but i mean they're what 20 somethings still uh in in the case of delian at least i think so you know i'm really hoping that it's not the last one can he beat rublev i i always sort of thought that karlovic is a player that could lose to anyone who Mm -hmm. has a decent pair of strokes but he can also beat anyone i mean he has a 3-1 head-to-head record against novak djokovic so i i i kind of really wished for for him to play djokovic as well although he probably would have destroyed that head to head a bit but against rublev if he can keep it all about the serve like rublev's return is definitely not his strength mm-hmm. so maybe if he can just get two tie breaks i mean uh it's impossible but i would love to see it definitely i mean that the guy has been a, an amazing story he's he's an absolute legend and I, I love his sense of humor his his personality he he just seems like someone who's you know the, the, the physicality is frightening <laughs> probably when you see him I, I, I never saw him live actually mm-hmm. but, but the, he seems to have a very good heart and uh, this is a guy I'm rooting for I'm, I'm, I'm not <laughs> going to lie about it I'm not going to stay objective when it comes to oh, Ivo Karlovic this is a guy I, I would absolutely love to, to see winning more and more and I don't
0: think anyone will blame you there. And, of course, again, it really is one of the best stories of this qualifying. Now, again, rapid firing through the rest of the players who managed to get through. You had wins from Quinton Halise, uh, Marco Trungoliti, 7-5 in the thirty five, fought off Multiple match points over. Dear friend of this podcast, Alexander Kovacevic, of course. A shout-out to Kova for his efforts. Beautiful crack racket at the end there as well. <laughs> Your other qualifiers, Laxanen. Antoine Huang, Nice result for him early in his career. You had a 7-6 in the third win from Evgeny Donskoy. Over young American uh, Zane Khan, you had other, also Chem Ickel, uh, Oscar Ota, Peter Gojewicz, and then wins in third sets. Max Cressy got it 7-5. Chris Eubanks, who we happened to see the week before uh, at the Lotto Elite Pro Tennis Challenge, had the chance to speak with him. You can go hear that conversation on our Correct Interviews podcast. Fun contrast, just a I suppose, physical human beings. Sebastian Baez, (laughs) a generous 5'7". Chris Eubanks, a generous 6'7". If we're being kind to, he might be a little taller than that. Uh, But in the end, Eubanks, 7'6", in the third over Baez. Those are all of your qualifiers. Any other standout performers from you on the men's side, Damian, that, you know, of those guys?
1: Of of those guys, we should definitely, like, at least look at Oscar Otte, who's Mm -hmm. qualified for three straight slams right now. Mm -hmm. And the campaign was absolutely crazy. I mean, two, two, two wins in third set tie breaks. He actually vomited on court in both of them. <laughs> I mean, that's That just speaks for itself, I think. But anyhow, to, to qualify for three straight slams is a, is a huge achievement. And he's actually done... Well, obviously he he failed at round one at round Garros, but he took two sets of Zverev. Then he took two sets of Mare at Wimbledon second round. So he's definitely been you Know rising this year, and then I'm looking forward to what he can do. Uh, I once again can't remember who he's playing uh, because I haven't stand out.
0: Let's have some Yeah, yeah, it's all right, even if you don't have it in front of you, but look, it's yeah. winnable.
1: I mean, Lorenzo Sonego, it's oh, actually okay. winnable. Very winnable. For yeah, I, I, I'm looking forward to that even more now. Uh, the Alex Mochan has a very good shot at winning his first round because he's playing another qualifier, Chamilka, uh, whom you mentioned. I am super impressed with Mojang, actually. Mostly his ability to play off clay, and that has been the case at Wimbledon as well. I mentioned that he was leading to sets love at at Wimbledon and, and failed to qualify, but still that that was super impressive that he was even able to get to this point because I, especially on grass, you know, a, a counter-punching guy like that never really does that well on grass but i mean it it just shows that when you're in form you know the 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 sheer level the sheer talent the the game can can simply make you make you excel at every single thing Mm -hmm. as you mentioned the the, a lot of americans actually qualifying like uh, or is it two at this point I think it's
0: it's Eubanks, Cressy get through, uh, but there were a bunch in the final qualifying round. And it is worth noting some of the fallen heroes will say, again, we already mentioned it, what an effort for Kovacevic, makes the most of the qualifying wild card. Ditto for Zane Khan, the young American. He's got the firepower. It's about reining it in, firing, you know, finding game plan B. The tough ones... I mean, Gasto Elias has played so well of late 7-6 in the third to Molcan. That's got to hurt. But, you know, Rodionov, that's a tough loss, 1-2. and two. For Francisco Surindolo, 4-3. and three. Again, he's the number two seed here in qualifying. I don't think he qualified for any of the slams this year through qualifying. So, you know, again, that just feels like an opportunity missed for him. And then Yuri Lahechko was just so close. Like, so close. And that's a winnable match against Cem Ilko uh, uh, of Turkey. And so... Those yeah, are the, those was... are the
1: just misses, mm-hmm. I think he was just really trained after that Marchenko yeah. and, but it was it was still huge when I looked at the at the draw initially the the qualities draw, I definitely didn't expect that Lahetchka would come through Marchenko. as Marchenko has been playing all these atlanta Washington events and all uh I thought he was just gonna be really well prepared and he was i mean it was it was a great match uh Lahetchka saved too much points. But it, it was just another week that convinced me that Lachka is going to be good. Uh, it, it's pr- probably going to be pretty soon, actually. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
0: No, I I completely agree with you there. And, you know, again, it was a fun round of qualifying. A lot of these guys are going to have opportunities to win their first round matches. And so, you know, they're used to the conditions now. They've gotten to play on these courts. We will continue to monitor uh, monitor their results throughout the first week of the event. Uh, but, of course, now let's flip gears, talk about the women's qualifying results we saw as well here, Damien, I thought, you know, again, fairly chalk group of results here across the board. You look at some of the players who were able uh, to get the job done, some of the standouts. Number one seed, Anaconia uh, was always favored. Two advance, two and two win over Stephanie Vogel to just, you know, kind of cleans her clock. to advance to the main draw. You look at some of the other top seeds that managed to advance. Number two seed, uh, Schmidova, seven six six three, Really good performance from San Diego finalist, Reese Brandtmeier. Just not quite able to get over the finish line. Your three seed, Parizas Diaz, able to advance to the main draw. Emma Kenu, number 31 seed, knocks out four seed, Meyer Sharif. But again, that was a pick a match. That's a top seed. Advancing as expected. You had Elena Gabriela Russo, who's been so good on the WTA tour of late, number seven seed holding strong as well, advancing. Feels like a lot of the top seeds did pretty well, Damien, on the women's side. That was my first reaction. What's your first reaction as you look through these qualifying results?
1: Yeah, that, that was my 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 reaction as well, because I was looking at at the story of Friedminen and whether she was gonna be able to, to have an undefeated year in Grand Slam Qualies. And then I was I was obviously looking at her her chances to get in as a lucky loser and she has not she has not gotten in but she lost to Rebecca Marino which is a by the way a fantastic story with all the breaks she took from tennis like what was it like five years between 2013 and 10, 2017 or 18 so, so probably more like four uh, but I mean the it's it's a fantastic story that she was still able to come back and and somehow i i think she was able she she wanted to come back in 2017 and then some itf regulations like some sort of some sort of rules didn't allow her to i i can't remember what it was exactly so i think it was five years actually uh she's doing extremely well right now and the 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 girls that you mentioned like rusa or Conyu are are probably the ones that get me the most excited before the main row because konyu is obviously a former quarter finalist of this event so i'm always really wanting her to qualify for these events i hope she will well she won't have to qualify very soon because right now her rank, her ranking is like 80, 80 something so so austrian open we're definitely seeing her in the main draw but she's she's definitely one of these that could go really really far if everything comes together for her obviously both kony and russo who i just mentioned are pretty much it's all about whether they're they're hitting the 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 lines whether they're you know their powerful ground strokes are going in so it's in in a lot of the matches the you know the the result is basically on them not on the opponents and then these are the players that could that could really you know make a stunning run here (laughs)
0: No, I agree. Those are all good names. Some of the other tops, you know, just names that it's not surprised to see advance because that was part of the other feeling. You know, Astra Sharma has been excellent this year. She won her first WTA title this season and she advances three sets to the main draw here. You know, Christina Pliskova, it's not a name anyone's going to be surprised to see advance through qualifying. She gets through to the main draw. Katie Bolter, when healthy, has looked like a top 100 player. And she is healthy right now. She gets a three-set win over Kutsova to advance. The one that's really interesting to me, Damian, uh, is golfy golfy advancing uh, with a straight-set win over Nicolescu. I believe she's a former World Junior number 1. And things just haven't quite clicked for her yet on the WTA Tour. I don't know. What do you think? Of, I feel like that quality of player, Radikainu, belongs in that group as well. It's not a surprise to see any of them... Get through their qual, you know, a higher seed to qualify here because they've all shown flashes. Their ranking are just catching up to their level.
1: Yeah, I mean, Galfi is is definitely not that much a surprise when you consider her, her junior runs, but you know, it's her first Slam. It's it's it really took her a while, but uh, I think that the, the draw she had was actually pretty, pretty easy. Like the the the, the section of the draw she just landed in. Monika Niculescu with you know, no disrespect to her at all, but I mean she she, she really didn't play a good match in the, in that final qualifying round, and obviously she can be very tricky to play, but uh, I don't know if I'd be I'd be looking at Galfi to to actually have much of a chance, but definitely on board with the Sharma hype. Uh, I I don't know if that's. Uh, you know, that, that's a point of discussion that's that you want to take, but I mean, she's really former should Vanderbilt have, standout. No, I mean, you
0: know, we love college tennis here, Damien.
1: Yeah, I know. Uh, that's not what I was referring to. <laughs> I was actually referring to the fact that I, I think she should have received the wild card instead of Storm Sanders. I mean,
0: wow, that's a take. I mean, the results. I mean, Sharma's got the WTA title. I think that's a fair, that's not that's, a bad take. She
1: She's way higher ranked. She played college tennis as well. I it think maybe
0: Sanders their did? argument... I no, she didn't. I, maybe their argument's I like, ah, Storm's not going to... Storm needs it. You know, Astra's not going to need it. She'll get through qualifying. We, we trust it.
1: I don't know. I mean, uh, I, I can see what you mean. Mm-hmm. But I think Shalma really shouldn't have been playing here. Like, similar to, for example, Shapovalov uh, four years ago, was it, at the US Open? He was ranked 60 and had to play for the qualities. Like, you, you, you knew he'd make it like you knew his level is insanely good it was insanely good at the moment and that he'd make it but you know he, he should have been spared of this and I, I think sharma should have as well but it's great to see her qualify as well the i uh i, I can't remember how she's been doing since charleston actually mm-hmm. but uh i, I think she You look
0: for Astra Sharma here this season. I can pull it up. Let's see. Astra Sharma here on the year overall. It's been a pretty solid year. For her, you look in terms of just her overall uh, ELO rating here right now, she's number 147. You look at her 2021 specific results, she's number 133, 16 and 15 uh, here in the 2021 season. You know, lost first round qualifying in Cincy in Montreal, lost quarterfinals of Palermo, round of 16 Lausanne, qualified for Wimbledon. Second round, Roland Garros. Yeah, she's been pretty solid since Charleston, Damian. I I think there's a strong case to make for her. You look for her, let's see, in the race to the year-end finals, just again, how many points she's accumulated compared to everyone else. She's 62nd. Like, yeah, that's pretty good. You look for Sanders right now. She is currently number 99. I mean, they're both top 100. So it's not like Sanders doesn't have a case. Sharma's just might be a little bit stronger.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, when actually I'm pretty surprised that Sharma is so low in the Elo rankings. Like, no, uh, someone who won a WTA title for sure. 127. Uh, that's that's. Well, it speaks to the weird. strength
0: right now of the WTA rankings. I mean, you look in general. I'm curious because she was 65th, I think, right now in the actual rankings. Sloane Stephens is 54th in Elo ratings. Like, Victoria Golubic is 51st. Really? Anna Konya wow. is fifty five. Diana Yastremska is fifty-six, you know, Donna Vekic, sixtieth. It's like there's a lot of freaking talent right now on I mean, the WTA tour, Damian. Because you look up the list, like, does Saribez Tormo at thirty three feel too high or too low to you? Too low. I agree with you. Mean, so I so mean, it's like so it's like, okay, if she's too low at thirty three, trust me. You're not gonna like there's just not space. Like so Sophia Kennan, Sonia Kennan, she's twenty nine right now.
1: That's
0: too high. Well, Please. as a snapshot like, of 2021, that's too high, but her ceiling is still higher than those other, yeah. Players. But that's
1: Elo, that's you know, yeah, but that's ELO, the ELO yeah,
0: but it's overall Elo, it's not just 2021 Elo. I like,
1: mean, yeah, like, I see what you mean, yeah, yeah, yeah so. I guess.
0: So I'm just saying, there, it's it's crowded. There's about 70 top 40 players right now on the WTA Tour. That's what makes it so difficult to organize through everything. And again, when you look at some of these qualifying results, that parity translates here. Now, of course, some of the other players who qualified who we haven't mentioned, Danilovic, Butzka, uh, I'm going to butcher the pronunciation, uh Marino gets uh, advances. You had advancing as well from Masarova, as well as a former NCAA a singles champion, making her first appearance since earning that wild card in 2015. Jamie Loeb knocks out rescue in the final round of qualifying as well. Again, as we look here at this women's qualifying results, Damien. any final takes uh, from what was, again, a really fun week of tennis in New York? Uh,
1: yeah, I mean, obviously everyone has been looking at Straducano. That was a very high-profile uh, qualifying final round against Sheriff and she completely dominated that and i think it's it's really important that she's gonna get some very high pressure matches after what happened at wimbledon uh obviously i'm, I'm one of the guys that will defend her for that because you know, it, it, it's it's such a huge event for her it was such a huge event for her with pretty much 0 zero two level experience that's you know a, a situation like that can happen to, to anyone and sh- she's going to get better and she's going to get better at, at uh, handing her nerves as well. And I think we're, we're already seeing that with, with how good she's been in the past few weeks. And the, I'm just very glad that she's going to get, you know, another chance to, to show herself on the big stage. As far as I remember, she actually has a very tough opener, right? Yeah, against Jim Brady. Yeah,
0: but, but it's a banged up Brady. It's a winnable yeah, match. It's definitely it's, winnable It
1: is, it is, it is. Yeah. That that's a very good section, by the way, that, that really interests me. Oh, actually that's not the topic of this podcast, but there's Sri Gastormo <laughs> no, who we've just please. mentioned. I mean there's Serena Stormo whom we've just mentioned and okay. I feel like she can have a really great run here.
0: Mm-hmm. No, that's that's the Claire lose in that section as well, right? And it's like there's a bunch of mm-hmm. young players right over there. I believe it's yeah. Lou, it's Reda yeah, Baptiste. That's the other one. Thank you. And I think if you go a little bit high, the battle of the Claras first round, Tossin versus Burel. Mm-hmm. That's one near and dear to our hearts, certainly, Damien. But again. That's where we're at following qualifying first week of the three weeks of action in New York. Unfortunately, no fans at qualifying this year, but it always is such fantastic tennis. And of course, it's the opportunities. These players work their entire lives to get the chance to play qualifying, to play a Grand Slam. Because when you qualify for a Grand Slam, not only do you have the opportunity, obviously, to earn some serious points, but that first-round Grand Slam paycheck pays for your year. That's everything for so many of these players. So, again, congratulations to so many of them at so many different spots of their careers, but so many fantastic stories. It's why we wanted to take the time to talk about it here on the show. Now, before I let you go, Damien, I do want to quickly chat Winston, Salem, Chicago, and Cleveland. In the land, it was Annette Conteve. Now, I think 16-1 and overall against players outside the top 50, earns her first WTA title since 2017, I believe second of her career winning the title there over Irina camilla Bagu. You look in Chicago. It was Alina Svitolina. She's now won nine uh, titles. Excuse me. She's won one title at least, Damien, in nine of the past 10 WTA seasons. She earns the victory over Alize Cornet in Chicago in Winston-Salem. Battle for first ATP titles goes to Ilya Ivashka. He's played qualifying at eight, eight, eight different ATP events this year, Damien. He's qualified at five of them, got a lucky loser into a sixth, now made four quarterfinals, won his first ATP title as well. He's going to probably, I believe, he cracks the top 50 now with this result in the live rankings. 27 years old, Ilya Ivashka. I mean, this is the sort of breakthrough we see now in modern tennis with the developed and increased physicality necessary from so many of these top players. It makes sense. He's 25, 26, 27 years old, hitting his peak. And yet, you know, checks off a lot of boxes of what the modern men's tennis player looks like. And his game translates across surfaces. He's just got weapons to play on his terms Again, across the board, I don't know if we learned anything new about Alina Svitolina other than she's fit, she's locked in mentally, and when she is those two things, she has success. And her consistency, I suppose we can appreciate it at a different time. Ditto for Kontave. If you don't have the weapons to hurt Kontave, she's going to beat you now. And that in itself is obviously a skill. But the Winston-Salem final is the most interesting because it just feels like this was the breakthrough that's been building for Ravashka, and for Mikhail Emer, obviously, just indicative of his talent—a guy who, the better the competition, the better the Emer.
1: Yeah, uh, I don't know where to start because yes. that's a, a very long introduction. But maybe I'll start from what I know the least. I mean, from Cleveland, I pretty much only watched Magdalena's matches this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, it Good. was a, a, actually a very disappointing loss to Bego, in my opinion, because like the the, the, the match against Kasatkina. Uh, and in general, the past few months, in, in May, uh, Lynette started working with a new coach, uh, David Zeld, the, the Polish Fed Cup captain and Agnieszka Advanska's husband. And basically, since then, I think I feel like she's been a lot more confident in her abilities and playing really well. But then that one match comes when it all goes, you know, down the sink. And it, it was that match against Begu this week. It was, for example, against Jaber in at, at round Garros these these last two sets. Uh, I still can't quite figure out why, why she can't play her best best tennis, you know, all at all times. Uh, at the U.S. Open, she has a as a dreadful draw because it's Kokogoff Golf in the first round, and then it's a, a super tough section as well. So I haven't really seen much of Contevade this week, but it. It makes sense i mean she's been she's been struggling a bit recently but we know what kind of potential she has it's pretty weird actually that it's her second title i definitely didn't expect that i was also caught off guard by the svitolina <laughs> finals stat like uh if you ask me i would probably say that she has a pretty good record in finals but i definitely didn't know that it was this good Was yeah, it like 16 free
0: 17 and three now with her win today
1: Seventeen and three. And when I looked at the losses, it's Bartik, Kvitova, and Lvainska. So Yeah,
0: exactly. It's like they're they're really good losses too.
1: Yeah, you can't really beat her unless you're I don't know, no, a top five player. Yeah. Uh, Barty was at the WTA finals, right? I I, I can't remember which, what it was. I believe was so. I know
0: or, 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 because she beat Barty there, or she beat someone at the WTA finals. She, she lost beat to Barty
1: there the year before. Uh, yeah, that's what Swans it was. Swan Stevens, I think. Yeah. But Barty was the next ATP finals, and I'm just the, thinking... WTA, right, yeah, it you know, yeah, sounds right. Uh, the, uh, yeah, WTA. And uh-huh, Rutlanska was Connecticut open, so that's New Haven or... What, what
0: yeah, New it? Haven, yeah.
1: Yeah, and Kvitova was the WTA Elite Trophy, so actually when you, when you, uh, you know, she only lost once, at, uh, uh, she only lost one final, it's not, uh, you know, the Elite Trophies and the WTA Finals, which is absolutely mind-blowing, honestly. Uh, so I guess it also kind of speaks of the consistency that she's had against lower-ranked opposition that she only really struggles you know in the slums when or or against other elite players and then winston-salem as you said i mean Ivashka has definitely exceeded expectations this year but it makes sense i mean the the game is he he's powerful but at the same time he moves really well which i guess has been the uh, you know the, these two things have been the most important i feel like recently in, in men's tennis in, in modern tennis in general that that you kind of combine playing matches on on your terms with with moving very well in defense as well and Ivashka has has both of them i i don't know if i expected him to just destroy Umer like that uh, i feel like Umer has been very impressive recently with how he's improved his serve and the forehand uh, i actually Saw a tweet from the the Winston Salem Open this year, which I uh, did this week, I believe it was like yesterday, which I would like to bring up. I, I will I will find it quickly, because it's it's really important. Uh, important. It's really interesting how they they tried to summarize his game,
0: mm-hmm.
1: because I feel like a couple of months ago, no one would say these words about Emer. Uh Yeah, here's all the stuff about Ivashka, but it should be.
0: Mm-hmm. No, I uh, mean.
1: Yeah, here. Yeah, I've got yeah. it. Speed, power serves, and forehand winners are his specialty. Yeah, that's but speed, just, but... speed, of course, but.
0: Yeah. No, that's wrong. But that's also still wrong. Like, it's. Even if you watched him play this week, I don't think it was the serve in the forehand that got him through. I think it's his ability, continues to be his ability, to absorb and redirect that pace. Now, if you provide him pace, He'll dish it right back to you. And that was the takeaway this week, is that the harder Alcaraz hit the forehand at him, the harder he hit it back. But I agree with you. That is not what you would usually say to describe Mikhail Imer.
1: But I feel like, you know, five months ago, it would be dead wrong. Yeah. But it's it's what he's been working on. Mm-hmm. Serve and the forehand. And the mm-hmm. forehand has been pretty much since, don't know, Kitsbihal or where is it, that he played, this know, uh, Stadts. Mm-hmm. uh i mean the for the forehand has been a lot different i feel like that there's been some technical changes mm-hmm. that are allowing him to actually inject pace himself uh the, the the post that i that i just quoted actually comes with a 36 second highlight video mm-hmm. of his winners some some serves mm-hmm. and it, it's all looking really impressive i mean it's from the alcaras match and today, from what I saw, because we, we started recording in the second set of this Ivashka emer final, and from what I saw earlier on, uh, he was just really, really nervous, mm-hmm. probably. Like you know, Obviously, Ivashka has been fantastic and he can just dominate you with your power. Emer has had issues with that earlier on in his career, like, for example, that, that loss to Sinner at, at the next-gen finals. And that was just also very, very dominant. But... Uh, I don't think he would have lost to Ivashka like that, you know, in normal circumstances. I mean Ivashka won, I'm looking at the stats right now, 28 out of 30 service points and 18 sure. out of 18, 18 on first serve. I mean it was just a complete demolition. And I, I guess we can you know put it down to nerves a bit because um, the, the, the list of players that Emer has defeated this week on hard courts as well, which which also wasn't really his best service in the past. Uh, Tiafo Alcaraz, even Ramos, who's been playing very well in in recent weeks, uh, that's just super impressive to me. And I'm I'm really surprised that Ivashka, you know, won that final in like 50 minutes. But I was also, you know, super pleased with how Ivashka developed his game this year. Even if you don't want to look at, you know, the, all these wins against top 100 players that he that he's managed to rack up. I mean, you can just look at taking a set of Nadal and Clay, you can just look at uh, the very good match that he played against Federer in Halle that's just you know, concrete evidence that, that this guy has is having a fantastic season and I don't really see a reason why this wouldn't last as you said he's got a fantastic game for, for modern tennis and the physicality will definitely help him there. Uh, who is he playing at the US Open is, is a question that I, that I need for to Emer, ask Imr
0: Scott Brooksby
1: uh, I was actually asking about Ivashka. Oh, I apologize. Iwashka,
0: yeah, Ivashka has. I want to say no. It's not Johnson. Ivo- no, uh, Johnson tennis something. Martin. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's Sandy. I knew close, it was one of. Them. I yeah. knew it was one of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm close. Exactly. I was like, it's one of the college guys. Um. Yeah, but it's a very good
1: section as well for him Sangren then Fonini or Pospisio I mean Berrettini yeah, is a I good obviously no part of it. I would want if I, no part of
0: I would want no part of Vashkin that first week even if I'm Berrettini just because the power types yeah. he plays with as I'm trying to acclimate myself back onto the tour That's just that's no fun and so I agree I think he's one of the guys can make some serious noise here at this 2021 US Open with that said last thing I'm going to ask you before I let you go US Open title predictions, men's singles, <laughs> women's singles. Give it to me.
1: Mm, title predictions. Okay. Uh, I'm not going to say Djokovic. Uh, I, in that preview that we have, like these five questions about the men's draw, I said Which that. Which you it's can now 50-50. find on our
0: website, CrackRackets.com. by the way.
1: Yes, exactly. Both men's and women's. Yes. I, I said that it's about a 50 50 between Djokovic and the field for me.
0: Okay. And he's minus and, 135, by the way, so odds makers agree.
1: Oh, okay. And if I can give this sort of an um, answer, you know, uh, it's it's cheating, but I'm going to say Zverev or Medvedev, okay? Because uh, <laughs> I, I would say Zverev. I, I would, with full confidence, with full, full confidence, said Zverev, with, I would have said before uh, Ben Rottenberg published the second part of the article. Because I think it's honestly so heavy and full with concrete evidence that even if he says all, this, all that stuff with, you know, in, during the pressers that he's, he feels like the, the courts confirmed it and all and that he's I, I feel like this could really change his perception of the, of the whole thing and honestly his ability to keep playing this well with all the mess that's going on with his personal life has been really surprising to me and I, I sort of thought that at the US Open it's gonna be the same, but I'm just having a bit of doubt, you know, just having doubts at the moment whether this is not gonna change something. And if it does, then I'm not really looking at him as a title favorite anymore. But if if you know if if this wasn't an you know a circumstance, then I would be picking Zverev for this. I, I think I I saw some people like arguing that's where the, the best of five is going to be an issue for him i honestly don't see where they're coming from i think he's one of the physically uh you know, stamina wise he's one of the best players on the tour for me and always been so uh, I, I really don't see where it's coming from
0: yeah before i let you get to the women's what scares me is, and if you go listen to our GSP top five men singles contenders, you'll hear me lay out this exact case to Gil Gross. I agree. I mean, again, look at the evidence. He outplayed Djokovic in the Olympic match. Djokovic didn't play his best in the second set and through the third, but Zverev was better than him. Through three of the four sets, Zverev was leading in their Australian Open battle this year. And he played better than Djokovic, I'd say, for 60% of the match, just not for the important 40% of the parts. Um, And yet, you look at that Olympic gold that he followed it up with the Western Southern Open. I agree with you. From a tennis standpoint, his best now is better than the rest of the field except Djokovic. And if he plays his best and Djokovic does not, he can beat Novak. And that it would be in a semifinal and not the final, I think benefits Zverev immensely. And so I I completely agree with you that that would be the pick at the same time. Man, that match. Ugh. That'll be, hopefully we get it. I just hope we get the Djokovic-Zverev semifinal. I mean, that implies that I'm rooting for Zverev in those earlier yeah. matches. From a tennis standpoint, who, who do you root for in a Djokovic-Zverev match? I mean, the Djokovic diehards root for Djokovic. But the general tennis Twitter—well— The thing is, it's such a straw, man. Like, when Djokovic fans are like, everyone attacks Novak. It's like, no one attacks Novak! No one! Like, everyone acknowledges Novak is about to set history and obviously do all these different things. Anyways, I agree. Like, it's a clear three-man race. It's Djokovic, it's Zverev, it's Medvedev. And no one slept better after the draw revealed than Daniil freaking Medvedev, who was like, I don't have to play Zverev or Djokovic, and just is dancing in his hotel room and doing all these things. Yeah, I'm gonna pick Djokovic just because I just I I know I don't know yet. I still have one more day. I haven't written my answers yet, so I still I'm gonna take. I mean, I'm leaning Djokovic is the truth. I'm leaning Djokovic. I just think he's going to be able to do it, but I do think Zverev is capable of beating him, and I think Medvedev is as well. Just because in this format, three out of five, man's a monster, and so
1: I, mean, it, I think it's a very huge thing that Zverev was thrown into Djokovic's health mm-hmm. because. You know, when he if Djokovic has to go through like Berettini Zverev Medvedev to win the US Open and the Calendar slam, that's really like people are obviously the haters are gonna say that Feder and Nadal weren't there, but I don't think it matters. I mean, at the moment, something like you know, a trifecta of Berettini Zverev Medvedev is absolutely huge. And if you're on your way to winning you know, the, the best, <laughs> the, the, the biggest achievement in tennis, something that hasn't been done in men's tennis in, in over 50 years, then getting through something like this would be, you know, maybe maybe the best achievement in this sport ever, really. Mm-hmm. So no. I, I think it's really huge that Spareff is in his half, actually.
0: Yeah, no, and again, it's going to be fascinating to watch. But with that in mind, women's selection, who you got? Eh, <laughs> uh,
1: with that i i haven't really made up my mind i mean i i saw the the once again let's let's say that there's the uh five questions about the the women's yeah, singles and i i saw david went for like a very bipolar <laughs> approach yeah. with party and um osaka uh it's not that you know uh, one or two for me <laughs> like uh, when, when i'm looking at this draw i i'm once again i mean it, it gets said at every single slam that when you're looking at the women's draw you're seeing 15 possible winners but i really am do i think someone can beat party when she's playing her best probably not but then again we've just talked about seri Stormo. she eliminated her, her in the olympics they can meet in the forefront it's actually i guess it's a very good chance that they meet at the forefront or well, I'm still not sure that Soribestormo wins against Muchova Muchova has been very good at the Grand Slams Definitely overperforming there a bit But the conditions in New York Are pretty much what you had in Tokyo mm-hmm. Heavy Humid Slow And Soribestormo definitely Outplayed Barty in that, in that one And this is the matchup That uh, Ashley probably Doesn't want to see the, the you know, In her draw the most and i i don't know if i'm comfortable picking barty there then when i'm when i scroll down there's Iga guys who also hasn't been playing that well since roncarus i feel like that was sort of a a breaking point that that lost to sakari that that sort of broke her confidence i i i don't know if plishkova can do it because obviously he she still she still doesn't have a slam but i've been really impressed with with her results recently like just the consistency of them the once one great result after another and maybe you know getting close at Wimbledon can 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 help her mentally again I mean she she's been one of the best players in women's tennis for such a long time now and, and still hasn't won that you know, that's some title has still eluded her so I'm definitely looking at Pliskova a bit and then I guess it's, you, you know, you, you can't really discount Vitorina, I guess. Um, but I'm also obviously looking at Osaka and Sabalenka. And Sabalenka, I don't know, I, I like a draw besides Daniel Collins. But if she gets through that, it's it's a pretty good section for her, I think. So, so Sabalenka is also someone I'm, I'm really looking at after, after finally breaking through that quarterfinal stage, was it? at uh, actually even the forefront at, at wimbledon uh, you know her, her it seems like her grand slam woes are simply going to be over right now and osaka obviously she's won like what three of the last four hardcore slams which is crazy absolutely, yeah absolutely crazy when you when you think about it this way and uh, i'm definitely not looking at how she performed with uh actually hasn't performed at uh, the French Open and Wimbledon's but you know her, her struggles uh, uh, on another surfaces don't really matter to me like as long as it's hard work, she's gonna be in the mix but is she in the right you know just mindset right now her previous weeks didn't suggest so <sighs> so you know I, I talked for like three minutes and I still don't know <laughs> uh, I I uh... I don't know i want to go for something you know, more surprising and well it's not more surprising because it's the fourth and the second scene but i'm basically thinking of sabalenka and Pichkov right now I'm, I'm i'm gonna go with sabalenka uh, i don't know just just a good draw a good draw for me so
0: oh you're near and dear to my heart i have no problem with the sabalenka prediction i'm leaning osaka That's just the way I'm going. I just agree with you. I just think the peak for her, the one thing I'm most certain of on the WTA Tour is that Osaka's best on a hard court is better than everyone else's. I saw it in Australia. I saw it in New York. If she gets to the second week is a big question. But if she does, she's my favorite. And so I'm going to ride her over Barty in the final. But again, we've previewed all aspects of the 2021 U.S. Open. We've now recapped the qualifying draw as well. Okay. Can you
1: wait a second? So, if you were to, you know, face off, and I don't know, the best match of Osaka from these slams, like I don't know, maybe maybe the final against Kvitova or something like that. Uh, at the Australian Open against the Barty from Cincinnati you still think Osaka wins right
0: I do because I just think Osaka's serving you look at the numbers she's mm-hmm. moved two it's her and Serena who have averaged a career average hold percentage over 80 percent in the women's game and I just think her serve is uniquely and game style the plus one ball is uniquely suited to take on Ashley Barty the decisiveness with which she hits approach shots can actually push Ashley Barty into the outer thirds. Now, of course, you have to execute with exact precision to beat Ashley Barty. And even when you do play your best, she may beat you. But Osaka is the one player who has the sort of firepower, both with the serve and from the ground, that she can, in her best match, put an hour and a half on pressure of pressure on Ashley Barty that I just don't think Barty can overcome I just think the serve to the backhand Osaka's got the one serve still on tour. or her Sabalenka does as well but Osaka and Sabalenka are really the two players right now who have the serves to actually push Barty when they play their best case in point you know when Sabalenka beat her in Madrid
1: Uh, Yeah, I definitely uh, wouldn't disagree with that. I was just interested.
0: Yeah, no, I appreciate you asking. uh, No, I didn't mean to cut you off. And again, I I think it's uh, the reason I didn't bring it up is I think our listeners are like, we know, Alex, we've heard you say that this week. And so uh, again, uh, it was not you I was sparing. It was them I was sparing. But no, again, I appreciate you and all you have done to help us here preview this 2021 US Open. Of course, again, you can read your qualifying preview on the website. You can read your thoughts in our Article, our panel on the U.S. Open, some predictions for the men's and women's singles on our website, CrackRackets.com. Of course, another episode for you, I believe, coming up on Monday, recapping this week's Challenger action. What you got planned for us over the next two weeks, content-wise?
1: Oh, that's a tough question. Obviously, I'm gonna have to keep watching the Challenger tour and uh, yeah. keep, uh, you know, keep keep doing the the podcast. Uh, but actually, the U.S. Open works very well with that because I'm just gonna be able to wake up, watch. Uh, what is it? Como Mallorca and Saint-Tropez. And then just tune into the the US Open. So definitely something about this and something about this. But uh, you know, the both both uh, the Challenger Tour and the US Open are gonna be the, the my my focus over the next two weeks. Uh it's gonna be really hard, it's gonna be really draining to to keep up with everything, but that's what we love about this, right? So
0: Mm-hmm. No, absolutely, and I'll be sure to send some topics over your way as well. Again, uh, you can hear him every Monday on the Great Shot Podcast. You can read his work on our website, crackrackets.com, on Last Word at Tennis as well. Uh, with all of that said, a couple of shout-outs before we wrap the show. Of course, a huge thank you to super producers Max Flieger and Daniel Westhoff, as always, for the f- of an editing job they do day in, day out. A thanks to our friends at Tennis Point as well. Tennis-point.com, the promo code is CR50. With all of that said, for our wonderful co-host, Damian Kust, our super producers, Max Ligner and Daniel Westhoff, our friends at Tennis Point, and from all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. That's the break. Thank you, as always, Damian, for taking the time to chat today, and hopefully we will see you again soon, my friend.